Hey you, you're listening to episode number 98 of the Keto Diet Podcast. Today we're chatting about dispelling anger and hate for your body, getting pregnant with PCOS, infertility and keto, and the relationship with your baby body, plus so much more. You can grab the podcast extra today by going to healthfulpursuit.com slash podcast slash e 98. We've put together all the resources from this episode in one clean and awesome guide that will be delivered to your email and you can keep it forever and ever and ever. So one cool thing I have to share with you all today, and that is that we're opening Happy Keto Body again in August. If you don't know what Happy Keto Body is, it's my 12-week video training program for women. We had a bunch of women go through the program in April and then on tour, a lots of you were saying, could you please open it again? I missed it. Or, you know, the stars just weren't aligning, but I want to do it. So we weren't planning on doing it, but we're going to open it up for enrollment in August. If you want to learn more about Happy Keto Body, how to get in on the coaching and all the things we have available, you can head on over to happyketobody.com. And on that page, there's a little button that says get notified. Um, and by clicking that button, you, you enter in your details and I will send you information when it is open for enrollment again. And the program's only going to be open for a couple of days. So make sure that you're on that list because I'm not going to be massively promoting it because we weren't planning on it. I'm just going to send an email. And if you want to sign up, that is cool. Okay, let's do this thing. Welcome to the Keto Diet Podcast, the show all about keto for women, so you can burn fat, balance your hormones, heal your body, quickly adapt to a ketogenic diet, avoid common struggles, and get the results you crave. And now, here's your host. You might know her as the Keto Queen. She's the international best-selling author of The Keto Diet, founder of Happy Keto Body, and she loves dipping pork rinds in avocado oil mayo, Leanne Vogel. Today's guest is Stella, who's completing her PhD in clinical psychology while also sharing her personal health and wellness journey, tips and tricks on Instagram. Stella has been able to manage symptoms of both intracranial hypertension, a neurological condition, and PCOS through diet and lifestyle, plus she's Canadian. For more information about how hormones affect your metabolism, you can check out pages 22 through 24 in my digital program, The Keto Beginning, if you have a copy of that. And if you're looking to heal your body with keto, a lot of the stuff that Stella talks about today, my digital program, Fat Fueled, is focused solely on healing. So if you got a copy, open her up. Let's get started. Okay, let's jump over to this interview. Hey, Stella, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm so good. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. We've been chatting online for like probably years. I feel like it's been years. It has. It, I think it's been a good two years. And we've never had a conversation, like actual conversation. No, this was meant to be, finally. <laughs> totally. Okay, so before we delve into today's topic, I like to ask every guest, what does keto mean to you? Yeah, and that's such a great question because for me, keto really means health and wellness. And it's so different for me because I'm so used to approaching different ways of eating for weight loss. 
And keto was the first time in my life where weight loss wasn't my main goal. And it really, when I approached keto, it came out of this place and time where my health was more important than my size. And the irony is that when I focused on health as opposed to size, that's also when I ended up losing 60 pounds. But really, right, you just have to change your your focus. But really, for me, keto is something that gave me back a quality of life. My body was you know, struggling with two different medical conditions and keto really helped me manage my symptoms. And so for me, it'll always be about feeling well and being healthy and weight loss is just this really fun side effect of keto, but it's not my goal. How was that transition for you from like raw, raw, raw weight loss to making that transition and now you're pregnant and like, how, how was that? It was a hard one. So when I say like, you know, keto wasn't about weight loss, it wasn't because I wasn't someone who could lose some weight or whatnot. I mean, I think I've been on a diet, Leanne, since I was probably 13 or 14. I remember being in high school and drinking Herbalife shakes. Like that's (laughs) that's how long I've been dieting for. And then doing all of the fad diets, like doing the juice diets. And when I think about I was just drinking like carbs and sugar and taking away the fiber, no wonder I didn't feel good. And so going from that space was, was really hard, but I was, you know, I just recovered from brain surgery. I had a, like a brain condition and I had a brain surgery. And the first thing I did after my brain surgery was I want to lose weight. So I did do like a medically supervised diet and I was losing weight, but I was feeling sicker, not better. And it just dawned on me that this idea that thinness equals wellness is maybe not a one-to-one relationship and there is more to it than just weight loss and maybe it's more important that I focus on what I'm actually giving my body like what foods am I actually nourishing my body kind of like what you talk about in your book about the idea of the cup like what am I filling my cup with that resonated with me so much and I first transitioned to a paleo diet um, and Whole30 and I really learned a lot from that about foods and ingredients. And that really gave me a lot of like nutritional background. And then I was feeling better, but still not 100% great. And then I found your book. And that's what started me on my keto journey. And I haven't looked back. (laughs) That's awesome. And so you have PCOS also, right? Yes. Yes. I got diagnosed with uh, PCOS two weeks before my brain surgery, because I had done such extensive testing And I was 30 years old, I just turned 30. And here I had two new illnesses. And I was just completely overwhelmed in my body and feeling really hopeless, and really helpless. And I started focusing on what I'm eating and food after that experience, because I knew it was important for me to grasp on some piece that I could actually have some agency in, because I just felt so out of control from all the other areas in my body. Wow. I couldn't imagine like you're going in for surgery and OPS. Now, once you're done with surgery, not only do you have to recover, but there's this thing called PCOS. Did you know what PCOS was when you were diagnosed? I did. And I suspected I had it for a while because I had some of the classic symptoms and also like, especially just irregular menstruation. I mean, I feel like that's the number one sign that something's not going well on the hormone front. So when I got the diagnosis, it wasn't so much as a shock to me. It just had come up because we had done so much testing. We weren't sure what I had wrong. So it was pretty um, extensive testing at first. 
But I was just so angry at that time. I remember telling the endocrinologist, like, do you mind if I go for brain surgery first and then we can have this conversation? And I said it really like not friendly, which is so not me, but I was just so angry. And looking back, I understand I was going through a lot, but the poor, I had to like really say I'm sorry to him a few times after that. (laughs) Amazing. And you mentioned anger. Did you feel anger toward your body or... Can you can you kind of describe the anger that you were feeling? Absolutely. You know, so my background is in psychology, so I'm doing my PhD in that. So I always kind of think about <laughs> these things. And I, for me, I know that anger is sort of this secondary emotion that comes from another place. I was really depressed. I was really sad. I was feeling really hopeless. Like there's nothing I can do to make any of this stuff better and really helpless. Like it's never going to change. And I was just so tired of feeling sad that feeling angry was just so much easier and you just feel more powerful when you're angry. And I think I was angry at myself. I was angry at the system that it had taken so long. I was angry at my body that it was quote unquote defective, even though it's not. But in that time, that's how I felt. I was just upset about everything. How did you change that story? Because there's so many women listening and watching right now that feel that anger um, and don't know how to get out of that space. How did you, so you have brain surgery, now you're dealing with recovering and PCOS and weight loss. How did you get out of that funk? Yeah, I think the first step was just acknowledging and giving myself permission to be angry instead of being like, oh no, I shouldn't feel these feelings. Just being like, you know what, Stella, it's been a tough go you have the right to be angry about it right now. I think that was a really important first step is just recognizing that what I'm feeling is anger and sadness and also giving myself permission to feel those things. And I feel like once I did that, then I was able to let go of like the anger and sadness because I I knew where it was coming from, but then I was able to look at it and be like, okay, I know where you're coming from. You're valid, but you're just not very effective to me right now because staying angry And being right about being angry is not going to get me through this. So I'm acknowledging those feelings, accepting that they're there, but now what can I do to move forward? And that's when I started searching for something I can do to get some sense of control back. And that's when I started focusing on foods and eating and just feeling better in my body. And so at that point, were you still like rah, 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 weight loss? Or was that transitioning during that time too, to just feeling good? I think it was still raw, raw, raw weight loss at first. Um, And then I got, I was, when I started losing weight, I was really excited, but then I started getting angry again because I started feeling sicker the more weight I was losing. So I was like, are you kidding me here? We're going again. And then I really realized that, okay, there has to be more to this than, you know, how much I weigh. Um, And there's a bigger piece to this puzzle. And I need to consider this more holistically. And as a researcher, I was disappointed in myself because I never went into the actual research. I just kind of did what the doctor said. And I was just so traumatized from this experience. Like, what do I need to do? You want me to lose weight? Fine, I'll go do that. And then when I finally looked into the research, and that's when, you know, the word keto kept popping up for all these different neurological conditions for like, even like hormone management. And then I just decided to put my research hat and approach it from that perspective. And that was just really different. And I was skeptical. I was like, I'm going to give this keto thing. I'm going to see what Leanne says, but I'm not sure about this. I'll give it a try. And then, you know, even my skepticism got derailed because it was just so helpful for me. 
Yeah, it's funny. I I was the same way when a really cute endocrinologist told me to go on hormone replacement therapy and he had great teeth and an awesome smile. I was like, okay, like didn't even think to research it. And that's what I do. This is what I do for a living. And as soon as this cute doctor said, you should go on hormone replacement therapy, I'm like, he knows best. I will do whatever he says. But it's so crazy when you pull yourself out of that, you're like, wait, wait, what does the research say? And how is my body responding to this approach? And that's when you're like, okay, I I have to, I have to make an adjustment. I hope you're totally digging this episode. I love putting these together every week and I hope you're getting something out of it. I love seeing where you're listening from. So next time you're listening or even right now, take a picture of yourself watching the show or a screenshot of your favorite episode and tag me on Instagram at Healthful Pursuit. And if social isn't your thing, that's totally fine. Just jump on your favorite podcast player and leave a review for the show. Okay, back to the good stuff. Okay, so now you're on this new path. At what point did you want to start figuring out if you could have a child? Because I know that a lot of women with PCOS are concerned that they can't get pregnant or that there's going to be complications. At what point did you decide, okay, like baby making time? Yeah, so my husband and I got married uh, two years ago. So pretty much from the I do's, we've been trying, um, actively trying. So I mean, like with the apps and the ovulation kits and all of the things. But even prior to that, I would say like, the three years before we got married, we weren't trying, but we weren't not trying. Um, So like, it's pretty much been on and off for five years and more intense towards the end. And, you know, I did have lots of fertility issues and for any woman who's gone through that or who's going through that right now, I can a hundred percent sympathize and empathize about how difficult um, that process is. You know, the first month you like pee on your stick and there's only one line that means no, no pregnancy. And you're like, okay, it's month one. But when you're into year one or you're nearing year two and you feel like, I should be able to do this, whether or not I want to start a family is a different subject, but my body should be able to do this. And it's not doing this. It was for me anyways, so incredibly devastating. And we were already like seeing, we just started seeing like a fertility specialist and they were talking to us about IVF and, you know, we waited months to get this like top doctor in Toronto and we were on, like gave us all these requisitions to get all these tests done. So we were like, have given up on this idea that, you know, it'll happen naturally and that's okay. And we were making space for different ways, but then we got pregnant naturally. And I'm talking to you now and I'm nine months, I'm one month away from the big day. (laughs) And it just, I, I never thought that I would be here. And I know that the way I ate and the way I took care of my body was a really important factor in that. Mm. So for women listening that just heard you say that of struggling so much with wanting a baby. And I I've had friends, I've never really wanted to have children. So I don't totally, I haven't experienced this, but I can imagine, you know, wanting something so bad and not being able to have that thing, no matter how hard you try. And it's different when it's like, you know, if you want to buy a $5 million house and you don't have $5 million, it's like you can work really hard and do everything. And maybe it's just not in the cards. But with this, it's like, it's your body failing you. And I feel like that's just such a 
more personal attack and it's, it's you. So then you are stopping you from being able to experience this. How were you able to, or what did you do? Like you mentioned the way you were eating and the way you were caring for yourself. Can you kind of give some tips for women that are feeling that like, ah, oh, my body is not on my side and I'm so frustrated um, space yeah. right now? Absolutely. One, been there, totally normal. Um, and you know, and I'm not saying that this, okay, if you have fertility issues, do this and you're going to get pregnant, right? Yeah. Sometimes you can do all of this and still have to go the IVF route or right. And there's nothing wrong with that. For me, it was definitely the food was a big piece, just like, um, you know, just something as simple as like dairy, for example, we know that it can impact for some women, you know, our hormone levels in different ways. So just experimenting with yourself, because what works for me may be different with you, but being open to experimentation with foods and being trying to really listen into your body. And I think that's why, again, it's important to focus on health instead of weight loss, because if we're just focusing on the scale, we're kind of missing the other messages that our body is telling us when things are fitting us or not. I also, I didn't do this all at once. Um, so I started with the food and then I kind of took a step back and took a little bit more of a holistic approach and thought about the different products I use in my home or the, you know, even the makeup I use and my chef. And I think changing makeup and like shampoo was like the hardest thing. I think mm. food was easier. <laughs> yes, I totally agree. It's really hard. <laughs> it's really hard, especially like I love Sephora and just like walking by that yeah. door and not going in. <laughs> it was definitely difficult. And I don't think it was one thing. I think it was just a combination of the three. And also, I hate to sound like a cliche, but I know they say when you stop trying, that's when it's going to happen. Um, you know, we got pregnant when I was supposed to go on residency year next year it was like the final step to get my doctorate. And I told my husband, like, I just can't try anymore. Like, I can't put myself through this every month. Let's just, let me just do my residency year and let's just revisit it. And of course, that is the month I got pregnant, you know, and so I'm not saying that that's key to success, but I, I'm feeding into the cliche because that's really what happened to us. And I guess it's because if I think of it from another approach is I must have been stressing out my body so much with these ovulation tests and these poking and this prodding and just wanting to get pregnant that the second I just let go and those cortisol levels dropped, my body was able to reap the benefits of all the other changes I was doing. Yeah. I have a very similar story of how I got my period back after eight years. You know, the first seven years, I didn't really care, but the last year I was so stressed out about it and I was trying so hard. I was doing everything in my power to get it back. And I took a flight to Europe to meet with my husband's family. And right before the flight, I saw a bag of Skittles and I was keto. Like I was yeah. hardcore keto and I was at the airport. There was a bag of Skittles and I was like, I feel like Skittles. So I went on that plane and I ate the Skittles really slowly, like over eight hours. I'm just snacking on these Skittles. And the next day I woke up and I had my period. Like I just, I stopped caring. Like I was like, whatever, I'm just going to go to Europe and do what I want and you know, I stopped caring. I stopped thinking about it and instantly got it. So yeah, I, I feed into the cliche as well. <laughs> yeah. And I think like these stories, I think just shows us how intimately our like mental state and thoughts are really related to our bodies. Yeah. Like just the way we think about things is really related to like our fit. Like it's just, it's not two different things. They coexist and it's, it's important to like acknowledge both of them. It's so important. So speaking of acknowledging the body mind connection and all the things, let's chat about the relationship with your baby body because, <laughs> oh my gosh, I, I get really frustrated at messages, even while women are pregnant, like, are, you know, as soon as you have the baby, you want to get your, you know, your 
post pre baby body back or whatever they say. But as a woman who has gone through um, their fair share of of weight loss programs, now embracing your body, you recently posted a picture of your baby bump on Instagram, like your belly being like, this is what's up. Yeah. Tell me more. What has that been like for you? It's definitely been a challenge and it's never, it's not been like, okay, I decided to embrace my baby body. Cool. I'm good for nine months. Right. It's like constantly revisiting that and reminding myself. And so I found that I was pregnant in December and then in January, I was sort of making my new yearly goals. And I like to choose a word for the year as juju as that sounds. And I'm someone who's very much likes to be in control. I feel like that drives my success. I'm a planner. I'm really efficient. You know, like I'm all about control as much as I can. And I decided that for January, my word would be surrendering. And nothing teaches you the art of surrendering like being pregnant. It is not your body anymore. All of the the first trimester, all of the foods you love, like all the meat and like I love avocados. I couldn't even look at a piece of steak or an avocado. And then it's... you're just like, oh no, I like, you can't, the idea, like my husband would say avocado as a joke and I would think I was about to like be sick. It's just, you have to surrender. And so one of the things you have to surrender is you are going to gain weight. And I was coming from a place, I was literally at my lowest weight when I got pregnant. I had just lost 60 pounds. I was at my lowest weight and here I am getting pregnant and the weight goes up pretty quickly in the first and in the last trimester. So like right at the beginning, you're seeing the scale moving. So number one, get that scale away. But even if you do that, every doctor's appointment, they weigh you. Mm. And so the thoughts about, oh my gosh, what if I gain too much weight? I put in all this work. How am I ever going to lose the weight again? They automatically pop up. You know, we, we can't make those thoughts go away. They're called automatic thoughts for a reason. But what we do have a power after is what we do with those thoughts. So do we say stuck in the, oh no, the fear of gaining too much weight? Or do we get a little bit sassy and like talk back to those thoughts and be like, you know what? This is not about weight. This is a part of your life where you need to gain weight. And I knew that for me, you know, I grew up in a household and in a family that was very focused on weight loss all the women are all about weight loss all the time. It's always a constant struggle. I think my mom was actively on a diet when she was pregnant with me. So I've been on a diet since the womb. And I just knew, knowing what I know about like epigenetics and things we can transfer, I just did not want to transfer that diet mentality to my child. I just did not want to make this about weight. And the thoughts keep popping up, of course, but I just keep talking back to them and reminding myself that I'm gaining weight because I literally grew a new organ, my placenta, and a person in it. And that takes space. (laughs) And it's the first time in your life, Leanne, you'll go to the doctor and they'll be like, oh, great, you gained two pounds this week. Like you're being encouraged to gain weight. And it's such a strange feeling when you're so used to your doctor saying, you could probably lose 10 to 20 pounds, you know? And it's just, it's so hard, but then you just have to remind yourself that that's a sign of you and your baby being healthy right now and gaining weight is not necessarily a negative thing right now and just constantly it, it is a constant reminder but then embracing that it's so nice that you say that it's not perfect because i think a lot of people that i chat with is like yeah you just do this and then your life is great and it's like no like it's a constant struggle i mean i had an eating disorder for over 20 years of my life that doesn't just go away like I deal with it at least, I mean, it spaces out, you know, when you first get started and you're in recovery, it's like every moment is a challenge. And now a couple of years post, it's 
you know, like I maybe think about it once every couple of days and that's awesome. But it, when it happens, it's a struggle, but I, I, I love that you said, like, it's just, it's one day at a time and knowing that it's going to be a challenge through the process. But what I also loved is you mentioned that you didn't want to pass this along to your child. And that is something so powerful for so many people that it's just like, I've had enough of this and I don't want my kid to experience the same things that I did. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. So also the whole weight thing with your appointments, I, I did know that doctors, I did know that doctors like encourage, um, pregnant women to gain weight. And then they say like, you've gained too much weight or not enough weight. And there's so much focus on the weight. Do you have anything to add to that in regards to like the measurements that you're being asked to measure up against? Like, do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah. And I can def- like, sometimes I do have the fear, like, okay, great. I'm gaining weight, which is good. Is it too much weight? And then the later you get into your pregnancy, they actually start measuring your belly. So not only are you being like measured like your weight, but there's like a measuring tape being put on your stomach because your belly's supposed to be a certain size to make sure there's enough room to accommodate. So you're just getting measured all kinds. Um, and so far my weight gain has been within the typical expected range. So I haven't had to deal with, um, you know, what if I was told I would gain too much? That being said, if I would imagine how I would deal with that, I think I would remind myself that the average range is huge. When we think about like average range statistics, and maybe it's like my research statistic brain playing around here, but like, it's like the bell curve. It's like, you know, the average range is huge. And when we say average doesn't really encompass everyone. And, you know, I know, I would remind myself that I know people in my family who were really thin and gained more than the they were supposed to during their, you know, their pregnancy, like every body is different. And what's important is that you're healthy and your baby's healthy. And as long as you're, you know, your blood pressure is good and all of that, like looking at those measures, as opposed to looking at how many kilos you gained. Mm. But it can be I'm sure if the doctor would say that to me, I would have to do a lot of reframing of my own thoughts, because I know that would be challenging. I could never do it. Like, mad props to you the pregnancy thing the babies like I'm just like <laughs> you're like I'm out <laughs> yeah I just I was not meant to do that and I think it's so like you said it so perfectly my body made a new organ the placenta and it's growing a human inside yeah <laughs> like, and I think that that's such a great way to remind yourself even after you give birth of like, wait a minute, no, my body is completely different and will never be the same again. Like I, I created a human, <laughs> I created a human. So have you kind of thought now that you're getting close to the end of your pregnancy, kind of the intention that you have going into being a mother and how you'll look at your body after that period? Have you given it any thought? Yeah. So I give it like... I've learned that I need to be flexible. That's really what I learned through this experience. So, you know, we're talking about keto and how much keto has helped me. And then I got pregnant and I actively decided through my own research and my own medical team to not continue to be keto during pregnancy. And even just that decision was really hard because I was like, oh my gosh, if I stop keto, I'm going to gain too much weight and I'm going to get sick all over again. And all of that. And and I haven't gone back to the you know standard American or Canadian diet. I've stayed within the low carb range and for anyone listening the book real food for pregnancy by lily nichols who was a guest once yeah. on here. so um, i wish i had that day one of my pregnancy if there's any advice i can give is get that book because 
it, it is more of like a low carbohydrate way of eating, but she really focuses, like not doesn't label anything and just focuses on here are the foods you need to build a human, um, which is really helpful. And so I learned that like, okay, before I got pregnant, I was one of those people who would say a little bit like, oh, I'm going to be keto pregnant. Why would I change? Mm. You know, and, and I didn't really know the reality that even if I wanted to be keto pregnant that first trimester, like I said, meats and fats, I couldn't even look at them. Like I, I couldn't, I, my body wouldn't let me. So you have to be flexible. And I had a plan, which is great. And then make space for that plan to change. So my post-pregnancy plan is, you know, I know while I'm breastfeeding, I probably won't be able to go fully keto yet until like my milk supply has established. And my goal is once that's done to slowly taper down the carbs again, to go back to the keto way of eating, because for my health, that's where I feel best. But I don't know if post-pregnancy body is that still going to be how I feel best. And I have a plan, but I'm also open to that plan looking different than how I had imagined. And that's a really different space for me. Because like I said, I love to control everything, but I'm just learning to make some room for things to look a little different than how I had planned. That's like a huge life skill. (laughs) It's a difficult one, right? And like I said, it's one of those things that you're constantly revisiting and constantly reminding yourself. It's an ongoing it's almost like add that to your daily mantra. I'm going to be flexible today, right? You just have to constantly remind yourself about that. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so two final questions for you. The first is, what do you think is missing in the keto space right now for women? Yeah, that's a good one. I thought about that one. And I think it's a lot of the stuff that we've chatted about today. So I'm really happy we to talk about this. I don't know if it's just keto or just for women. But when I think about like a lot people will approach keto for like weight loss, for example. And I think when we think about weight loss, we really focus on the behavioral component. Like this is how many macros I'm going to eat. This is when I'm going to fast. This is what I'm going to do. And we forget that what we do is like intimately related to how we feel and how we think. And then, you know, after a few months, let's say of doing some strict behavioral management, all of these feelings about your body or weight or foods come up, all of these thoughts about your body and weight and all of that come up. And if people don't process that as well, then they wonder why that the behavior side, it's getting harder. And I think we need to open up space for the conversation of weight loss or wellness, not just being about what am I doing, but also how do I deal with the feelings and the thoughts that come up as I'm facing these challenges or barriers or things that that pop up and slowly I think we're making room for that I think you do a great job at integrating that as well I just think we could do a little bit better yeah I totally agree more people talking about it and being open to it for sure okay and where can people find you because you have a really awesome Instagram page and all the things thank you so you can find me on Instagram um so our page is dirty girls clean eats um I run that page with my friend Elise she's what we call the shy dirty girl so you'll pretty much just see me um but she's part of it too so definitely there and we're pretty active and what we post and stories And then also on the side, um, on switchgrocery.com, which is a Canadian online retailer for keto, paleo, and diabetic-friendly foods, I do some blog posts for them. Um, I also do some, like, recipes for them. And on their Instagram, I'll do some recipe walkthroughs. So for more food-related things, you can find me there as well. Cool. I didn't know that. I learned something new about you today. Yay! (laughs) Yes, it's a new thing. (laughs) That's great. Well, Stella, Stella, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. This was wonderful. Awesome!
Thanks for listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. Join us again next Sunday to discover more Keto for Women secrets for your fat-fueled life. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, recipes, nutrition, and diet, and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor is it to be confused as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcasts reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representations or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified physician for medical advice and always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program.